down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind. He was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on the hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. Well, I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too, and if you'd care to take a dare, well, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. Well, the boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret, because I'm the best there's ever been. Johnny, rustin up your bow and play that fiddle hard. Cause hell's gonna loose in Georgia and the devil be as far as D minor. You gotta lose I fiddle way to go. But if you lose, devil get your soul. And he said, I'll start this show, and fire flew from his fingertips as he rosin up the bow, and they pulled the bow, they pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. 
That was the evil hiss. And then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. Some would sit down in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. He played Fire on the Mountain, Run Boy One. Devils in the House of the Rising Sun. Chicken in the Bread Pen, Picking Out Dough. Granite is Dog by Don't Y'all Know. Smoke. head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that gold fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back anytime you want to try and one. I told you once, you son of a... I told you once, you... I told you once, you... I'm the best there's ever been. He played fire in the mountain, run by run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken and bread can't pick it out, no. Range your dog bite, don't you all know? Come on, Johnny! Come on, high voices. 
Lozère Nouveau. News. The Rainbow Family Association arrives in Lozère. Farmers on alert. July 9th, 2021. On the evening of July 8th, members of the Rainbow Family Association were spotted by farmers and residents of Cubiere. They would converge from several French regions in Europe toward Lozère. Their goal, according to a resident, to settle on the Col du Bourbon above Cubierets. Also, according to this testimony, the farmers immediately alerted the gendarmerie and blocked the roads with tractors and all possible means. The gendarmes played their role and they pushed them back in the direction of Via Fort. The whole department is on alert, also specified the witness. They would be more than 4,000 individuals to wish to gather in Lozère part of the summer. Contacted by phone at the end of the afternoon, the mayor of Cubert, Stéphane Massador, commented on the event. I did some research. It's a European movement. They want to settle in until August 9th. They have trailers with 4x4 and vans. Yesterday, they wanted to settle, but they were turned away by farmers and the police, confirms another witness. Today, the gendarme filtered the road to Pomeray for an hour, he added. According to a farmer in the sector, the farmers took turns preventing them from settling down during the night from Thursday to Friday. The reason? A delay in haymaking and therefore the fear of seeing the crop destroyed by the installation of these hippies. Indeed, more than 30 vans would have been seen on the road leading to Cubert. Some inhabitants in exchanged a few words with the members of the collective whose reason for the installation would be to stay, with the time, to stay the time of the lunar cycle to be in harmony with nature. According to our information, members of this association were back in Cubert in the afternoon and the gendarme again went there. Contacted by phone, the police did not wish to communicate. According to information gathered from the town hall of Cubier, a decree would have taken effect this evening to prevent this association from settling in Lozère. You're so right. I'm sorry. 
All right. Everybody, please put your hands in the air. Stand in the air like you don't care. And on the count of three, uno, dos, tres. We're all going to say ole. Pretend you're in a rainbow bullfight. That's a lot of bull. Uno, dos, tres. Ole! Yay. Let's try it again.
everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, May 28th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from the Mutiny Radio, uh, where <laughs> we usually are. But if you're listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in. We are located in San Francisco, which is on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone people. And for more information, please go to weeklyrev.org. And on our land acknowledgement tab, we've got a lot of links and resources and information. So again, please go to weeklyrev.org, click on the land acknowledgement tab. And coming up, we're going to play an interview did earlier this week. And many folks who are familiar with Mutiny Radio remember Global Val hosted a show, Women's Magazine, as well as Common Thread Collective, and it was so great to, to catch up, and we talked about the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and so much more, as well as an upcoming event that's happening, that's put on by the Tenderloin Museum, and folks will be able to see that as it will be an online event. So uh, we just talked about a lot of really important and interesting things, so I'll be playing that momentarily. I did want to introduce the music that we shared here. The first song was a song I heard for the first time by a band called uh, Wise Blood. It's called Generation Y, W-H-Y. And I heard that in a film called VHS, which I've been wanting to see for a while. I want to recommend the show Hacks um, on HBO. Well, so always good to plug uh, art that uh, has heart to it. And yeah, and then uh, there's a band called the Linda Lindas, and I had heard their, their Claudia Kishi song. Um, there's a documentary. Lives on Netflix about Claudia Kishi of the Babysitters Club. I was a big fan of the series when I was younger, and um, so this performance, and I'll be playing uh, more songs throughout the show today. It was from the LA Public Library, and this is part of Teen Tastic Tuesday's AAPI Heritage Month kickoff with the Linda Lindas, and this happened on May fourth of this year. And the full video is available on YouTube, and I'll be sharing the music throughout the program uh, today. So that and also it's just so encouraging seeing young people uh, put their art out there in the world all right I'm gonna go ahead and play this uh, <laughs> interview here I uh, pre-recorded it because that's been one thing we've been able to do with the pandemic is I guess we could have also done it ahead of time prior to the pandemic but that's been something that's been helpful in terms of engaging with folks who wouldn't be able to make it into the studio otherwise or do it live so here we go and we'll be checking in afterwards. It's about a 32-minute interview. So, And we'll also be providing links on our page at weeklyrev.org. There'll be a post up later today with um, many of the links that we're talking about, and as well as the book that Jeff Adachi wrote and the documentaries that he's made as well. So, yeah, look for that later today. All right. It's nice to be back at Mutiny Radio. This is uh, Val Ibera, a.k.a. Global Val. Many, many years at Mutiny Radio, and mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to be back on the show today in a different capacity. Um, yeah. I, I now work for the San Francisco Public Defender's Office as the public information officer, um, so I'm really proud that I laid a lot of my media foundation right there at Mutiny um, to kind of bring me to this to this uh, time and place. So I, I want to thank you for inviting me on today to talk about some of the events and projects that are going on with the Public Defender's Office. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. And I thought perhaps we could also just talk about what the uh, Public Information Officer, what are you responsible for? Well, I am the liaison for press. 
And so I uh, work on press releases and press statements, and I, I, I speak with reporters and, uh, and do a lot of the external communication mm -hmm. for our office. Um, but I also do a lot of the internal communications as well. So I, I you know, keep track of who in our office has been quoted in the press uh, any given day or week. So I'm sending out weekly uh, news roundups to the whole department, um, which is, I think, a really interesting thing that, uh, you know, I've been doing and building up to, and, and I do it, uh, you know, regularly at this point in time. Uh, the pandemic has been an interesting shift. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, any way that we can all, you know, stay connected uh, is really important. And so um, I really enjoy being able to keep people connected within the department, even though we're not all in the building. And uh, yeah, and, and then also working on a few other really interesting creative projects. Great, well, please um, go ahead. We can start off with the, the upcoming event um, at the Tenderloin Museum and then go from there. Cool, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out to me about this event. Um, so on June 2nd at the Tenderloin Museum, um, there's going to be an event that features the, um, well, kind of the life and times, but also a specific book that was written by the late public defender, Jeffrey Dotson. Um, he was public defender for 22 years. Mm. Uh, San Francisco still wow. is the only uh, county in California that has an elected public defender. Mm. Um, so uh, he's widely regarded not only as a, as a prolific attorney, but also as um, a filmmaker and a writer. Um, mm. So he was a bit of a Renaissance man. Um, so he had written a, a book um, prior to his passing about the first public defender of San Francisco, whose name was Frank Egan. Mm -hmm. um, incidentally, this year is the 100th anniversary of the San Francisco and so Frank Egan became public defender of San Francisco in 1921. Um, he was a former police officer, um, kind of a, a man about town. Um, and then he ended up being tried for murder, <coughs> excuse me, murder and conspiracy. Oh, wow. Um, for the death of, of a, a woman in San Francisco. And so uh, the book that Jeff Dachi wrote is is the the case of Frank Egan, murder and scandal in the 1930s, mm. and uh, so that book is going to be featured as part of the conversation. Oh wow! It's it's really interesting to me. I've read the book, and we we had our own panel that you can find on our YouTube channel. Mm. But um, and, and at this particular discussion, again at the Tenderloin Museum, um, it'll be a panel discussion with Matt Gonzalez, who's in our office, um, and uh, and kind of our, our resident historian, Will, um, along with Shaksu Wilson, who's a longtime author, both of whom worked very, very closely with Jeff Dotson. Um, it's, it, the, the book itself is a really great read. Um, mm -hmm. He's writing it, you know, I mean, he's a defense attorney, but uh, there, there was no actual court transcript of Frank Egan's trial. Mm. That, that, so not, not, none known in advance. Um, but 
so many different newspapers in San Francisco that there was a throng of reporters in court every single day kind of fighting to get the, the day's headline. Um, and so he literally had to go back and piece together the history um, from the headlines and from these articles. It, I mean, it's been written about in, in some other aspects as well. David Talbot wrote about it in his book The Witch, mm -hmm. um, most notably in the um, but the way that Jeff Adachi tells it, it, it becomes this, this gripping read um, as the investigation unfolds and, and the theatrics of the courtroom. Um, so it's, uh, it's it was pretty interesting um, that it, it happened to be um, published posthumously in this book. Yeah, I thought something you mentioned early on I was just curious about was that why is San Francisco the only a city in California with an elected public defender? That is a really great question. Now, I don't know why he elects one and the other counties don't. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the history behind that, but there is a lot of conversation out there about, well, why do all district attorneys get elected? Why mm -hmm. do all sheriffs get elected? And mm -hmm. yet, um, most public defenders are appointed. Right. So they you know, politically speaking, um, it, it's a more um, precarious position to be in if you're in an appointed position. So you might be appointed by mayor or a, a city council. Um, and then, you know, so therefore some of the decisions that you're making um, are, are going to get that sort of scrutiny mm -hmm. if you're doing things that people don't like. Um, but as, a, as an elected public defender, um, Manel Raju was our elected Mm -hmm. um, and he's been in the office for quite some time um, already. Pick um, follow Jeff Adachi. Um but it does give our city, um, our public defenders, uh, a position of you know just being able to answer to the public, having a little bit more independence. Um, policy unit kind of sits for a lot of different local and state. Um, and it, you know, therefore, it gives him a little more leverage um, in, in pushing for some of the changes that he wants. I didn't know any of that, so thank you for sharing information. I have learned so much since I've been here. Uh, I feel like I accidentally um, you know, jumped into law school. Um, mm. <laughs> quite the journey. Um, I, I thought yes, this upcoming event sounds really interesting, as well as the book. I was looking at the uh, link from the Tenderloin Museum that they featured. So it's it's very fascinating. Yeah, and th they've shown some of his films in the past. And um, mm -hmm. and actually, they're going to show one of his documentaries that he's shot in the museum. Um, and, and to kind of tie in uh, to both Filmmaking Tenderloin, and um, we have a new program, <clears throat> excuse me, Art and Media Initiative um, that, that our office has started called the Adachi Files. Oh, um, cool. And it's inspired by Jeff, and, you know, and obviously named after him mm -hmm. um, because he really wanted to use film, documentary film, to, to, to broaden the lens and 
of the system that we don't often see. And so the Adachi project that we started just this past year, we've been working on it for the past year or so, and finally got final approval, <coughs> excuse me, by the city <coughs> uh, back in December. Um, and that and that's and that's part of our goal there is we just want to illuminate these messages and perspectives and amplify these unheard voices uh, of people who are just impacted the most by the system yes. and those who are caught up in it for one one reason or another mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we've we've put out three films so far and um, the first one that we released actually is about halfway house in the town. Mm. Uh, the address of it is 111 Taylor Street. Yeah. So the, the name yeah. of the film is 111 Taylor Street during the pandemic. So it happened to be, um, you know, we were kind of interested in, in highlighting the, the ins and outs of, of what it means for people who are living or on parole. And it happened to be that the pandemic hit. And um, we had a couple of clients who were living at 111 Taylor Street, which is owned and operated by Geo Group, the multi-billion dollar private prison industry, um, corporation, <sighs> rather. Um, so Geo Group runs 111 Taylor, and, and um, our clients who were living there were saying, like, this is scary. We don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and we have that kind of unique relationship with, with these folks because the parolees are are their public defenders, and they, they trust their public defenders um, probably more than anybody else in the entire world. Um, so we ended up getting a camera to, to um, one of these people uh, who began recording what's going on and the lack of social distancing and the fact that people inside were having to clean, you know, but weren't didn't have the proper key. Um, mm -hmm weren't necessarily being told to wear masks, or some people were not allowed to wear masks because mm -hmm. of their parole conditions. Um, and so that, uh, so I definitely recommend, uh, all of these films are available on wearedefender.org. Mm -hmm. um, what's, uh, 111 Taylor has already had some impact. Um, there's a, there was a, another res there was another outbreak of COVID-19 um, just this past January that was exposed by a current resident. Um, that current resident, who's a resident at the time, um, is Keith Malik Washington, who is the mm -hmm. uh, new editor-in-chief of the SF Bayview yeah. National Black Newspaper. So he exposed a, a new outbreak, and he, he's not our client, but um, you know he talked to Tim Redman at 48 Hills, told him about this outbreak. Tim Redman called the 111 Taylor, they lied, they denied that there was an outbreak there. <sighs> then they had their words after they showed them the documents that had been posted in the county. Um, and then um, Lake Washington faced a lot of retaliation from mm -hmm. the uh, Geo Group and the Bureau of Prisons um, that he's now suing them um, mm -hmm. because of that retaliation. But our, the, our film came out right when all of that was happening, so it helped to kind of bolster his case um, yes. and to show this, this long ongoing pattern of uh, neglect against people who are who are you know among the most marginalized folks in our society yes um, and during a global pandemic when when safety and, and, and protections became so many so 
going various throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was plenty of a glimpse into that recklessness of the private prison industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the interesting now tie-in to going a little bit fast and then... No, there's um, a lot to get to, but yeah, <laughs> go for it. The um, one eleven Taylor uh, address right there is, happens to be the site of the Compton Cafeteria riot. Mm-hmm. So there's a movement from the transgender cultural district, well, the only cult- transgender cultural district in the world that mm-hmm. that's so that we that I know of, or that yeah. we know of, um, and they are trying to engage in this. So, um, so that is another kind of piece of the puzzle, or or piece of the of the of what we're building. Um, so now our office is involved in trying to bolster that effort. Um, Fortunately, Geo Group owns that building, um, so it, it's. But you know, I mean, change sometimes change happens overnight, but sometimes you push for it, and yes, um, comes later. You know, it just took about eight years to shut down uh, the jail at eight fifty Bryant. Yes, that happened. That's right. um, yes, yes. And we're going to close down Juvenile Hall at the end of this mm-hmm. year. So that's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good reminder. Changes afoot. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Feel uh, like it's you know constantly uh, pushing a rock uphill. Like there's like there's so much to undo, um, and at the same time, it's important to remember the victories. Right, right, and to and to keep looking at the horizon mm-hmm. um, for those for those spots of light, for those openings, for those opportunities. Um, it's it's stoked for us, um, you know, the need to really address. What happens? You know, we were already focused on this, but particularly now, uh, focusing on what happened to our when they're released from prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people still receive two hundred dollars in drink money, which is the same amount that they received in the thirty years ago. Um, and you know, if you've been in prison for any amount of time, that uh, you know, you might not have clothes that you're ready to mm-hmm. walk out the door in, so right. you know you can buy your sweat and sneaker while you're with your date night. By the time you're out the door, you got a hundred bucks. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Far. Right. You know, so um, so it's the area we're really looking at is what happens with um, people who actually are released um, mm-hmm. and go to you know reentry places like. Like halfway houses, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, so many of them are owned and operated by prison gangs. Mm. Um, but so, so, wanting to shift those kind of resources to kind of community-based programs to actually yes. have um, the incentive and and the and their compassion rooted in the community, um, right? And wanting to see what kind of the people do their best. Yes. Um, but of course, in a private prison, there's there are profits are the bottom line. Right, right. Yeah, it makes me think. I I write to a couple of folks who are incarcerated, hearing what was happening during the pandemic, how so many folks got infected, and how so many people who are working there just did not. And this was in California, did not care. 
and how heartbreaking that is. Like already into being also just to be cut off from visitors, from family, and also just how expensive it is to either to email or to call or to buy your biggest trauma fair soap and just things that I think a lot of us take for granted. It's just so heinous. Yes, it, it is. And right now, actually, this week and, and probably continuing on next week, um, there's a hearing in Marin County Superior Court mm. um, against uh, there's a, a, three, over 300 petitioners from San Quentin mm -hmm. have filed for writs of corpus mm -hmm. um, in California for claiming Eighth Amendment violations of cruel and unusual punishment and deliberate indifference on, be on the behalf of the state um, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and also San Quentin. Um, because of the heinous transfer of 121 people from one prison uh, in Chino, California, uh, mm -hmm. last May. So at the time, that prison in Chino, California, and um, was was the coronavirus hotspot in the mm -hmm. California state. Then those 121 people were transferred to San Quentin, which until that time had zero known cases. Um, and uh, the people were not tested, right? Were brought, kettled together in small spaces on a bus for 11 hours, and then they were um, quarantined or isolated when they arrived at San Quentin. Mm -hmm. um, and then we saw worst carceral outbreak uh, last summer, where over uh, over two thousand people, eight hundred people mm. at San Quentin in Chino, and mm. twenty eight died, and one staff member also died, and so that case is ongoing. Our office, um, along with a few other public defender offices, private defender offices are, are participating in this hearing, representing over, or at least over 100 people. Mm -hmm. um, so wanted to follow what was going on there, mm -hmm. what's happening in Marin County now. The link to watch is on the, the Zoom calendar okay. um, on Marin County Court or you can use our website, LAUSF Public Defender. Dot org. Okay. We have it a habeas brief, or you can find it on our website. Great, thank you. Yeah, I'll be. Um, we have a, a website now that um, goes along with the with the show, so I'll be providing the link when after the show goes on the air. Awesome. I'm mm -hmm. so happy to hear that you're doing uh, doing the show. Yeah, yeah. Seems like it's evolving as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much. There's unlimited amounts of news and information that uh, people deserve to know. So happy to pr provide, even if it's just a, a little bit at a time, try to get it out there. Well, I, you know, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate your, you're always looking for stories uh, about justice, um, finding too many stories about injustice. But that's, yes. That's how, that's how we rattle the cage. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 Ye
The thigh is a healthy thing. I know mm -hmm. one of the things I was like explaining to someone about like especially the Adachi project. I have a couple other films I want to show too. Mm -hmm. Um one that just came out yesterday. Um I could talk more about, but yeah, you know, the, the, the subject matter is heavy. Mm -hmm. If you're not, you know, it, it is heavy. However, the ultimate goal is to grow compassion. Right, right. And, you know, we, I'll, I'll just blanket about it, right? Society writes off, often writes off people who are either in jail, um, in prison, coming out of jail, coming out of prison have a criminal background, right? Those are the folks that get written off a lot of the time, um, mm -hmm. you know, just in, in society. Mm -hmm. um, but the, what, we're, what we're doing with the Adachi Project is bringing the work of public defense, which is getting in close to knowing who, who these folks are, who our clients are, who their families are, what their communities are, what their communities are facing. Because um, we represent those, you know, we represent the actual humans in the room who are going to be potentially suffering the most consequences of their actions that continuously dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, by, by looking at these systems, we talk about the system as being a broken thing. The system is doing as it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the system, it's such this big, massive, cloudy idea. So with the Adachi project, we want to look at these ideas from the system. Mm. So yesterday, we, our, the film we released is called From Inside, mm -hmm. and it's conversations with people in San Francisco County Jail. Again, incidentally, this all happened this year, but um, during the pandemic, during those early days, the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the feeling dehumanized, the feeling of oppression, um, you know, these are the types of feelings that happen to people in jail regardless of a criminal record. Yes. And then it's amplified by mm -hmm. this fear that they could pot potentially die, right? right? That this being in jail, you know, whether you, you, you might be in jail because you couldn't afford bail at the time, mm -hmm. right? So Like so many people. Right, like hundreds of people <laughs> are in jail before they're even brought to trial. So, right. you know, we, we, we like to say innocent until proven guilty, but one of the things that the uh, one of the people in the film says, you know, you're you're guilty, and then you have to prove that you're innocent, mm -hmm. which is really more along the lines of how the system is designed to work. Yes. Um. You know, and and so we wanted to to bring that experience out, and it, it is done like a film, um, in the sense that there's artistic graphics that are kind of distorted, kind of disorienting, trying to give an idea of like. The racing mind that someone would have being locked in jail, um, and then the, the third film that we that we did is uh, I think it's a little bit more it's it's it's, it's on a different tack than the other two. Um, it's called Forty Four Years Later. Mm -hmm. And Roman, were you still at Mutiny when we were? Or were you there when we did that big? Uh, Participated in the end mass incarceration project. Had all the letters and art on the walls from people. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and so around that time, there was also hunger strikes um, in prisons. Like at, at Pelican Bay, there was a big hunger mm -hmm. strike. And so that was several years ago now. But one mm -hmm. of the things that we 
one of the people who was kind of a leader in, in the Pelican Bay hunger strikes against solitary confinement, mm-hmm. his name was Paul Red. Mm-hmm. Paul Red um, was convicted of a very serious crime at age 19. Um, he, there was, his trial lasted three days from jury selection to verdict and sentencing. Um, it was based on the sole testimony of a co-defendant uh, who got a deal and ended up doing no jail time. Mm. And so Paul Red was sent back to prison. Um, spent the next 44 years in prison. Um, 30 of which he spent at, very, at various intervals um, in solitary this, this remarkable human um, did not have his spirit crushed. He became a hospice worker. Mm. He became an anti-violence mentor and, and facilitator. Um, he became you know, loved by, by, by so many folks. Um, and he was one of the uh, people who stood up, was part of the hunger strikes, um, and made, was part of the, the uh, landmark case that not end, but certainly revive the use of solitary confinement. Mm. Um, so um, there's basically anyone in prison who's not serving life without possibility of parole. Um, there, there, there's law in California that makes people eligible um, to have their sentence um, And so it used to be that the only the prisons could recommend folks for resentencing. Then a couple years ago, California law changed and also allowed district attorney offices to petition the court to resentence to hear someone who hasn't been So um, they do have a progressive uh, attorney. Um, Thank goodness. And, what's that? Thank goodness. We we do right, and, and and there's a lot of these things that it's hard to resist them. But I've learned about in the yeah. past almost two years now wow. um, that that you know I would have <sighs> not understood prior. Right, um, right. So um, because we have a progressive district attorney and this law exists, we at the public defender's office are you know able to help people file these. Mm-hmm. Uh, complete their petitions to the district attorney. Yes. Right. Um, so that w- that was a very basic way, kind of how Paul Red um, was able to have his was able to have a resentencing hearing by the by the court, mm. um, and the, and then he was sentenced last year. Wow. So forty four years later, it's a film, um, and it is mm. his first day. Mm. His family has gathered. Um, his older brother, little sister, mm. the the in laws, the near nephews, you know, who like know him but don't know him. Right, um, right. So we were able to kind of capture oh. that first day. And I, I, I mm. it, yeah, I mean, it's it's really powerful stuff. So yeah. So grateful for everyone who participated. Really, 
this work. I, I don't think really think about that too much. Um, but all of these films are, are short. They're, you know, five, six, 11 minutes um, on wearedefender.com. So please check it out. There's there's editorials that accompany each one of them as well. Mm. Um, folks from our office um, and Paul Red also um, co-authored or also part of the uh, 44 as well. So you know, we we wanna we wanna open people's eyes and hearts, and try to push for changes in the system that are gonna yes. be more humane and and more effective, right? Right, right. And mass incarceration hasn't made us any safer, oh, um, but it's destabilized oh. yes. um, millions of people across the country and millions right. of families. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same conversation around just you know wanting to defund the police and like why is all this money. And the U.S. military, like all this money goes into just causing great harm around the world. It's, I mean, it's so backwards. Absolutely right. We, when we know we can do things that are proactive, right. that's where we need to be investing our time and resources. Yes. As opposed to being punitive, right, uh, right. on the back end. Yeah. If, yeah, if funding all of these institutions were to make us safer, we'd be the safest place in the world. So clearly, uh, not working. Right. So, so that's a, that's a touch um, of what our, our city, our, our public defender's office, ah. um, what we're doing, um, looking out for a community, and uh, and looking for you know for ways to improve public safety. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and that means giving people more resources right? yes. on the front end, on the mid end, on the back end, whatever it may be. Right, right. right. Support and, and, and letting people, uh, giving people opportunities to thrive is what's going to keep them safe. It's yes. going to keep everybody else safe. Yes, absolutely. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much, Val. I miss you. I miss seeing you at this station. I miss hearing your voice. I miss connect. it too. I'm, thank you so much. This is a, an absolute pleasure to join you this afternoon. Um, uh, keep the connection strong. And Indeed. now that we're slowly coming out of this pandemic a bit, uh, I'll, I'll come back into the seat a little bit more and, and not be so afraid of, afraid of the mic. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very All right, so big thank you to Val uh, for calling in and sharing so much information um, about the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. I mean, quite a bit. And as mentioned, we also have a web page where you can many uh, films, upcoming event, and much more information and articles as well uh, coming up in the work later today. Now we're going to take a bit of a music break. I'm going to sort out some articles to share um, coming up next. So, uh, yeah, please stay tuned.
Again, that was the band. Ah. <laughs> this was the band called the Linda Lindas, and this was from a live performance at the LA Public at MLA Public Library, I should say. And I'm gonna continue along. There's a lot of articles wanted to share today, so we'll see what we can get to. Again, big thanks to Val um, for calling in and having this uh, conversation uh, earlier this week. So informative. And uh, this next up comes, it's uh, similar to the conversation we're having about just where the funding goes in this country and how backwards it is. This is a statement from Code Pink, which is a great organization that folks can follow and support. Code Pink statement on the Biden administration's $753 billion proposed Pentagon budget for 2022. Ugh. I, I don't know where that noise came from. I, I don't need, What a dumb world we live in. Anyway. Let's see what's going on here. And uh, we'll also post a link to this article on our website. 
May 28th, 2021, Code Pink, a women-led peace organization, calls on Congress to reject President Biden's record-high full-year uh, 2022, I'm assuming that's what FY stands for, FY, 2022 military budget of $753 billion, a $11.3 billion increase over the Trump administration's previous spendthrift military budget, supporting a minimum 10% reduction in Pentagon spending. Pink noted the annual savings could eradicate hunger and homelessness each year in the United States. But why would we do that? Why would we, you know, want to ensure that everyone has housing and and food uh, if we can go bomb another country? God, so stupid. Okay. Anyway, Whew. get myself out of here to the best of my ability. Whew. To spend nearly a trillion dollars to prepare for war pulls back the curtain on the Biden administration's professed interest in lifting people out of poverty, says Carly Town, Code Pink co-director. While millions of Americans are steeped in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, facing eviction, and struggling to pay medical bills amidst an ongoing health pandemic and recession, the administration hurls taxpayer dollars at an increasingly privatized for-profit war industry. Biden's budget includes upwards of $30 billion for new nuclear weapons slated to cost $1.7 trillion over the next decades, billions for the F-35 fighter jet, a boondoggle with an eventual $1 to $2 trillion price tag, $17.4 billion for an unnecessary space force that's so stupid. Oh, God, I'm gonna, I don't want to yell on the mic. I don't want to hurt your ears. However, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, my God. And at least $51.5 billion annually to maintain over 800 overseas bases and establish new ones in the Indo-Pacific, where the Biden administration's pivot to Asia sets us on a reckless and dangerous course toward war with China. Oh. Uh. See, this is why I think I, I uh, <laughs> have to have uh, my own show here, is that if I were to work for a, a news agency... Uh, <laughs> I would just have to swear too much and and call people uh, fucking war profiteers and war mongers and fucking sucks. And I, you know, I mean, that's honestly what they are. Okay. President Biden's final Pentagon budget request uh, signals uh, alarming continuity with the Trump administration, which over the course of four years increased the Pentagon budget by $133 billion uh, with uh, bipartisan congressional approval. In light of the Biden administration's announcement that the United States will be withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by September 2021, the Pentagon budget should reflect a corresponding $50 billion reduction. Instead, Biden's proposed Pentagon budget of $753—make uh, sure I'm using the right uh, dollar amount—$753 would provide the Department of Defense, and again, as I mention all the time, it used to be called the De Department of War, and they're like, "Oh, we need to sound nicer since we're out killing people, so let's um, uh, let's call us the Department of Defense, so we can defend ourselves against uh, reality and kindness." I guess I don't know. Think of all other synonyms with good things, and defense, what defense could and should be. Okay, so da 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 with more money than the departments. Okay, so it's providing the Department of Defense with more money than the Departments of State. Justice, Education, Transportation, Health and Human Services, and the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, combined. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. So stupid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have to laugh because it's terrifying and awful. At the same time that Biden is set to withdraw U.S. troops from 
from Afghanistan, Biden and Congress are using China as a justification for this massive increase in military spending by framing China as a danger to the U.S. and its allies. I think the U.S. is a, is a danger to itself and its allies, but that's my opinion. Biden's proposed Pentagon budget identifies China as a top challenge, that's in quotation marks, and Secretary of Defense Austin has stated China is our pacing is our pacing threat? What? It's so fucking st Okay. I can't keep calling everything fucking stupid because eventually that's just... I have to rename the show that. <sighs> in reality, the inflated threat of China's military pales in comparison to the United States military. The U.S. has over 800 overseas military bases, hundreds of which surround the borders of China. China currently has only one official overseas military base uh, located in Djibouti. Djibouti. Uh, this same tactic of threat inflation led to the U.S.'s catastrophic invasion of Iraq in 2003. The consequences of that intervention were not only horrific overseas, but also proved deadly and harmful for Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, and Muslim-perceived communities, said Madison Tang, coordinator of Code Pink's China is Not Our Enemy campaign. Today we are already seeing the consequences of this escalation of war with China in the form of xenophobic violence that targets Asians and Asian Americans of various ethnicities across the U.S. Anti-Asian violence has increased 194% in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 2020, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. This pattern of heightened xenophobia and scapegoating for a minority group as a corollary to U.S. imperialist wars is not new and must be challenged. This push for rearmament, including hundreds of new land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-mounted tactical nuclear weapons, comes amid concern the Biden administration's heated anti-China rhetoric and policies could plunge us into a nuclear war, said Marcy Winograd, coordinator of Code Pink Congress, a campaign to mobilize co-sponsors for progressive foreign policy legislation. There is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden, excuse me, um, but I would say that me burping on air is far less offensive than these fuckers trying to uh, raise the budget of the Pentagon. Okay, and that's my excuse. Okay, uh, da -da -da, there is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden or Congress to continue funding the drive for nuclear rearmament or global omnicide. Ooh, I haven't seen that word before, omnicide. Wow. At the end of the day, the federal budget is up to Congress to decide, not the president. We call on Congress to reduce the Pentagon budget by at least 10% and instead invest in what will truly make us safe, universal health care, good jobs, and addressing the climate crisis. Shouldn't be that difficult, but here we are. Act now. It's now more important than ever to contact your representatives and they provide a link and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts to demand that they show their support to reduce the Pentagon's budget Pentagon budget and invest in human needs. And they also have additional quotes and reaction on Biden's proposed Pentagon budget from the international community. The way the U.S. budget overemphasizes the military hurts the American people and the world. A tiny fraction of the money that President Biden is proposing for the military budget would save the lives of millions of children in Yemen. Wouldn't that be a better investment in the future than more bombs, warships, and nuclear weapons? That's from Aisha Juman, president of Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. This enormous Pentagon budget will only lead to more military conflicts, more bloodshed, more grief. We saw enough of that in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. It's time to invest in peace. And that's from Basir Bita, local activist in Kabul, Afghanistan. 
there are many places where the U.S. could and should spend money, spend more money. At least it can start by paying for some of the huge damages it has caused to the people in this country and abroad in the last several centuries. Increasing the military budget, however, only makes everything worse. That's Dr. Zhu, professor of economics at John Jay College, uh, CUNY, former professor of economics at Renmin University of China and Chinese citizen. An increase in the U.S. defense budget will mean the deployment and or testing of U.S. weapons in South Korea, which endangers the lives of res residents near U.S. bases. U.S. military buildup has led to a perpetual arms race, including nuclear weapons and nuclear threats in Northeast Asia. The deployment of the U.S. THAAD, THAAD missile defense system in South Korea in 2017 has raised tension in the region and is opposed by many South Koreans. Villagers near the new THAAD base have been protesting every day against the illegal deployment. I join in the call to the Biden administration to reduce the U.S. defense budget and invest in human security, withdraw attention raising weapons systems from Korea, and end the more than 70-year-old Korean War with a peace agreement. That's from Yu Kyung-ko, a consultant for Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, the WILPF and Women-Led Korea Peace Now campaign, and a standing committee member of the Korea Peace Appeal campaign. Next, the U.S. military, excuse me, the <laughs> I almost called it the U U.S. military states, and we kind of are. The United States military continues to negatively impact the lives of people who have never consented to the U.S. military presence, particularly in island nations in the Asia-Pacific region, such as Hawaii, Okinawa, and the Marianas. The military presence places the people of these nations in mortal danger of annihilation, as was demonstrated in 2018 via the false ballistic missile alert in Hawaii, proving that the U.S. military is incapable of protecting us. Furthermore, the military creates a burden in numerous other ways, such as through crime, pollution, and economic deprivation. And that is from Robert Kajiwara, founder of the Peace for Okinawa Coalition. Next. We members of the International Women's Network Against Militarism unequivocally oppose the proposed Biden-Pentagon budget, spending nearly 50% of the U.S. discretionary budget, more than the next 10 countries combined, demonstrates the destructive priorities of a society committed more to world military domination than care of its people and the natural environment. Increased militarization in the U.S. and abroad will only create more insecurities, fear, and destruction both at home and abroad, especially in places of massive U.S. military presence, such as Okinawa and Guam. We urge the Biden-Harris administration to withdraw the current proposal and formulate one that will ensure full health care, quality education, and environmental protection. And that is from the International Women's Network Against Militarism. So, again, um, we'll be posting this article on our webpage at weeklyrev.org. And in the article, uh, there are links you can click on to uh, contact your representatives and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts. So I know this is like, wow, this is there's a lot here. And also they provide action items that folks can take to, to speak up and to contact representatives. And also as a reminder, in this article it was mentioned how bad the, the military is for the environment. And it's, the U.S. military is actually the number one uh, cause and harm for for the environment. So it's it's really it's just it's bad for everybody, for people, for animals, for nature, for the world. So it's silly that we have to keep on talking about this and yet here we are. So I'll be providing a link to this article on our webpage.
I'm going to rest uh, my voice just a bit. We do have a lot more to get to, though. And, oh my gosh, so much more to get to. But I did want to play a little bit more music. And uh, coming up, I also wanted just to share an, another upcoming event. And this is happening on Thursday, June 3rd, from noon to 3 p.m. Pacific time. This is an event, We Take Care of Us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. And this is from uh, KPFA and the Anti-Terror Police Project. I'll just read a little bit about this here and then take a break. Uh, join us on June 3rd for our first virtual regional summit. We Take Care of Us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. We'll spend an inspiring afternoon learning about how to build replicable and sustainable alternatives to police and prisons for mental health and how we as a community can take care of each other in moments of crisis. So this was shared by the ABTB. You can follow them on Twitter at APTB Action. It's also on the KPFA website. And we'll provide a link to this as well on our site at weeklyrev.org. All right, I'm going to uh, play some more Linda Linda's for you all. Um, also in the video, which we will also post a link to, um, they have an interview. So that's after the, the last song that we played. So I'm going to jump to their next song, which is called No Clue. And then uh, after a couple songs, we'll be back with some more news articles and information for you. So please do stay tuned.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of... Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, let's watch full length. let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. And I started to do some thinking. And I'm on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday 92. On the freeway. I am a total fraud. 
Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will...